Dear God, we come to you now and we just ask that you just allow us to hear your message. Remove me, remove all the obstacles of the mind and the house, dear Lord. Just let us, just let us center on your word and let us come away with a true meaning and let us be able to apply it and to submit to your will as you live through us and we become people of impact, a church of impact where we impact the world around us. And dear God, we just ask that you just allow us to uh, worship you in a way that is pleasing you today. In all things we do, we just offer it up to you in glory for Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I'm going to start a new sermon series today. And it's going to be uh, centered around living a balanced life. And it really doesn't really matter what stage of life you're in. Um, it's almost like you... Uh, you're busy regardless of what stage you're in. I mean, you just get busy, and, and then sometimes um, things get out of perspective, out of prioritization, and um, that can affect most things in your life, of course. But the other thing is that if we don't have life properly balanced, then not only can we not be good husbands, good spouses, good wives, good parents, but then we can also be you know, good friends, good employees, and um, if one thing falls out of whack, then the balance is, is wrong, and, you know, that's unhealthy. And some people think that, uh, you know, you got to give all your effort to your job, and that becomes unhealthy even when you're at your job working as much as you can. And I know that sometimes we don't feel that or see that, but it comes across to other people. So life is about balance. If you read the Bible, Jesus talks, he goes into detail about being properly yoked, and there's a lot of, of understanding and theology in that simple little statement there. I've told you this before, I don't have any, any biblical, um, anything biblical to point to it, but I personally think Christ was a yoke maker. I know he worked with wood, um, he was a carpenter, so, but I think he was a yoke maker, I think that took a lot of patience. It took a lot of insight, and uh, everything had to be just right. And for um, and you know, and you're dealing with a heavy piece of wood, and, and so it comes out in his teachings a lot, and that's what I believe. So I think that if you uh, if you can get properly yoked and get a good balance in your life, then things will move a little bit more smoothly. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at, and we're going to start with maybe something that we understand. But it's not something that we really apply much in our lives. And I'll just tell you the reason why we don't do it. And it's the same reason why I don't do it. Now, I'm, I'm going to be preaching to myself in this sermon series, okay? And you guys are just going to get to watch it, all right? Hopefully, you'll get something else out of it, too. But the preeminence of Christ is something that we dearly understand, we truly understand. But do we really live a life that shows a preeminence of life? And the preeminence is the fancy word for just the most highest significance of anything else. So if we truly believe that Christ, you know, we talk about here that Christ alone is how you get through this life. It, Christ alone is where salvation comes from. Christ alone is the way to get to heaven. Christ alone is the answer to all of our problems. But if we truly believe those words then there has to be a layer, there has to be an understanding that the most important, significant thing in your life is Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it all gets out of balance. So, 
Where we're going to start from today is just the understanding. It's a theology that you guys are well aware of, but sometimes it's not something that we are capable of living in our daily life. And, and, and here's the reason. I'm, I'm just going to be brutally honest this morning, okay? The reason why it doesn't happen is we are self-centered and selfish, okay? That's just the way it is, and it's in our nature. You know, it's the highest level of, uh, um, you know, self-survival and self-instinct is to preser- preservation of self. You know, if someone scares you, you either jump back and run or you attack, depending on um, how bad you get scared, all right? And uh, you, ever, you ever walked into a spider web? You, like, turn into a ninja, don't you? Okay? I mean, it's just, you, um, if you're dreadfully scared of, of a snake and somebody scares you with a snake, you turn into a, you know, to a, um, a guy beating a bunch of uh, bees. I mean, it's just, you just go crazy, all right? So those are your instincts. But what we believe is that when we are Christian, all that changes. Our nature is changed. You understand what's being said there? And if our nature is changed, then the way that we live has to reflect that. And the fruits that bring, come forward from us have to be fruit of the spirits, all right? We cannot be changed people and not bear fruit or not produce fruit, okay? So let's look at where we're at today, all right? We're going to be out of Colossians. Colossians in the middle of the chapter there. And let's just, uh, since, I, since I started out by telling you that we're all selfish, I included myself in that, let's just start with the selfish reasons why Christ should be the most significant center of our lives, okay? Let's just start it out. And that's kind of where he starts out in these verses. It says, he meaning Jesus Christ, has delivered us, meaning all of us sinners, from the power of darkness, sin, and he conveyed us, he allowed us, he issued us, he gave us a passport, so to speak, he adopted us, he made us heirs into the kingdom of the son of his love, okay? So, here is the, here is the, the significant underlying factor about Jesus Christ is that everything starts, everything good starts with Jesus Christ. That is the starting point, all right? So we as changed individuals, we that are given the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins for a new start, we that are given the opportunity to go into heaven to live forever, we that are given the opportunity to have a knowledge put inside of us that the world doesn't get nor would they understand or accept it, okay? It all comes to us because of the Son, and the Son was motivated by one thing. And what is that one thing? You're right, love, okay? The Son of His love. Remember, God demonstrated. God put His love into action, and the way that He did that, He gave His Son the first fruits to die for us, meaning the very best. Didn't hold anything back. He started with the best. So we've been talking, we've been building on some doctrines here lately, okay? And we talked about the doctrines of first fruits. We talked about that when you give and you give to Jesus Christ and you give to people, it has to come from the very beginning, the very best. All right. So when we give it back to Jesus Christ, that should be pre-planned. All of our efforts, all of our prayers, we should be 
gracious. We should be cheerful in how we give. Otherwise, it won't be blessed. Okay? So everything is, is um, motivated by love, and God sent his son to die for us in love. And it says there that in whom we have redemption through his blood. So that is reflecting to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ performed at Calvary. He gave, he submitted to the will of God to the point of being crucified on the cross. And he did that for one reason. So that you and I could be made and reconciled, made whole and reconciled with God. So here's, so, so let me, let me, now that I've let you be selfish just for a little bit, okay? Let me make a statement, and this is, this is going to almost be a, a, a hard truth or maybe an uncomfortable belief, an uncomfortable truth that's in the Bible, all right? Um, the most significant thing in this universe is Christ, okay? And everything that Christ did, yes, it provided us with atonement, it, it, uh, it gave us salvation. It gave us the opportunity to go to heaven. All right? But in all actuality, it is at the end of the day, God glorifies Jesus Christ. He lifts him up. In fact, he even changes this. He says, you know, the Father does not bring judgment, but the Son brings judgment. And we as a church will join him in providing judgment because all things will be made whole. And so Jesus Christ who submit, sometimes I think we underestimate the submission that Jesus Christ has to the will of God the Father that operates inside of that holy trinity. We overlook that and we think about, well, he died for us. That was great. I've heard the Easter story forever. And we talked some time ago about sacrifice and about salvation and your life should reflect a celebration of salvation you've been saved okay and it is a progressive idea and you're saved because Jesus loved you and that's why he died for us is he loves us and the but the ultimate the ultimate the ultimate result of his sacrifice yes we got provided atonement, forgiveness, and we got provided salvation because of his sacrifice. But the ultimate, the ultimate thing that happened in that process is that Jesus Christ was glorified. That should tell you everything you need to know about how you're supposed to live. The stuff that happens to you that is good, that is great, but those are benefits of the process. And the, process, the end result of the process, and this is where we have to start. This is the point of everything in the Bible. Yes, you're going to get salvation. You're going to get atonement. You're going to get forgiveness. But the ultimate end of the process is that Jesus Christ will be glorified. That's the gospel right there. And if you preach anything else, it's heresy. Jesus Christ is to be glorified. So in this process, he's talking about how much he gives to us and that we are redeemed through his blood and we get the forgiveness of sin. And yes, those are great things. But we are laying a layer here 
And the layer is that Jesus Christ is the highest significant thing ever. And our lives should reflect that. So even when we are looking at the self-benefits that we get from Jesus Christ, you need and I need to understand that the ultimate, the ultimate result of that process was that Jesus Christ was glorified. So let's move on here. He is glorified. He is the preeminence in revelation. All right. So now this is going to get on a little more of a personal level. Colossians 1.15, it says that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All right. And so this is what is being said here. All right. There is, uh, there is some times in the Bible when God takes on some type of form. Nobody can see God. Okay. He is, he is a spirit, right? And in, a, um, in, in the Bible, he does take on form. You know, he takes on the burning bush, and uh, he does all that. And then the um, small, sweet whisper, small, sweet voice, okay? So we, we, we get that. But no one can see God. So here's, here's, the, here's the kind of the rub, is how do you get to know a God that you're never going to see and feel and touch and smell, okay? All the things that we rely on to get to know things and get to know people here, all right? Well, the understanding is that Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. If you read the book at the end of the Bible with all the imagery and all that post-apocalyptic stuff going on there, and you got, you know, things with different heads, and you got people riding different colored horses with, with you know, all this stuff going on, and sometimes you're blown away, like, what is going on here? Here's what is being said, and I can sum it up for you, and, and I'll probably get in a little bit of trouble for this, but this, here's the summary of Revelation. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ for the glory of Jesus Christ provided by God the Father. At the end of the day, he is the one that is, that is making everything new. And at the end of the day, old earth, old heaven burn up, because they come together, and the thing that they come together is called New Jerusalem. And that is where we're going to live forever, because all things have been made whole. And here's the good thing is if you've got people already there, then they're going to be with us when we're all there in the circle that will never be broken ever again. All right? But how do you get to know God? How do you understand God? Jesus Christ is the revelation of God, all right? Everything that Jesus Christ does when he's here on earth is a revelation of God. He shows mercy to those who need mercy. He heals those who need healing. He provides uh, judgment. Or he provides justice for those. He prays for the weak. He prays for the poor. He glorifies them, lifts them up, gives them encouragement, Okay? He teaches everything. He shows mercy. He shows love. He touches lepers. You understand what he's doing there? All right. All of that. All of that is the outward expression of a God that is in spirit. So we can see and understand the character of God through the actions of Jesus Christ. And the greatest action that Jesus Christ ever showed was his self-sacrifice at Calvary in his unconditional love for each and every one of us. And that is also 
the end of that process is the glorification of Jesus Christ. So when we look and we think about how do I get to know God, remember, now you understand why he puts so much emphasis on that phrase that no one gets to the Father except through me. Because I am, there it is, I am, the great I am, just as God declared himself, like when Moses says, hey, when I go up and ask the most powerful guy on earth to let all of his slaves go, and he says, who sent you? What do I tell him? And God says, tell him the great I am sent you. And so when Jesus says, I am, there's those seven statements in John, I am the way to the Father. That takes on new significance because you can only, only, only get to know God the Father through Jesus Christ. Because now it puts more significance on the end of the book, right? Jesus Christ is the only revelation of God the Father. Get it? And I hate to tell them, but if you're in any kind of other organized religion and Jesus Christ isn't the preeminent figure in that religion, it's wrong. It's wrong. And I say that out of love. I say that out of love because the Bible is so clear. It's all about Jesus Christ. Everything at the end, Jesus Christ keeps submitting and, and he submits to baptism in the dirty water, being baptized by his cousin that everybody in the world thought he was nuts. And when he comes up and he submits himself to that, what does God the Father say? This is my son who I am well pleased with. And you have the Spirit come down. You got the Holy Trinity there. It's all about the glorification of Jesus Christ. When he gives his life on the cross, does he leave him there? He lifts him high, shows the shame of the world that he takes on, buries him in a borrowed grave, and then he uh, comes out of it alive, resurrected, and sends into heaven. That's the glorification of Jesus Christ because he is the preeminent figure in our religion. And if you want to get to know God, there's no other pathway except through Jesus Christ. So you read his words, you read his teachings, you get to know Jesus Christ, I promise you, just as he told his disciples, you see me, you see God the Father. If you get to know me, you will get to know God the Father. If you want to get to God the Father, you got to come through me because Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. And he is the preeminent figure in all of creation. Sometimes in the creation story, when we're taught as children, and we use in, in children, you don't have to pluralize children, do you? <laughs> when you're taught the creation story as a child, okay, and you see the cartoon version of it, you know, Jesus isn't there. They don't talk about Jesus. Well, you know, that's, that's been, that mystery's been solved. Jesus was there. And it says, for by him all things were created. So that are in heaven and that on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities of powers, all things were created through him, created through him and for him. You see it there? That's pretty straightforward, right? That's God. You know what he's saying right there? Jesus Christ is the preeminent figure in all of time. Why do, why do we 
push this thing down? Why is, I'm talking to myself. You're hearing my thoughts out loud this morning. Why, why do I not center more on Jesus Christ? Why am I so selfish? Why do I think about myself all the time? Why do I worry about all this stuff? Why do I not have faith? Why do I not trust in him? Why can I not just lay my troubles to him and say, take them? I mean, the whole world was created by him and for him, and yet I have a trust issue with this. Why? Why am I broken like that? So when we pray, when we study, when we think about and we contemplate the things in our lives, we need to have a significant effort to place Jesus Christ at the most preeminent place in our lives. Because he's also preeminent in sustenance. That should say preeminent in sustenance. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. So he was before anything. He was there. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That's Jesus Christ. He was there. All things were created through him and for him. There is no other way around it. And it says there that he was before all things. He's greater than anything on this earth is what's being said there. He's more preeminent than anything on this earth, more powerful than anything on this earth. Remember, the devil and Jesus are not on the same level. Okay? And there are religions, there are denominations that talk about Jesus Christ being an angel. Okay? That's what's being done here. The church in Colossae had a, a Gnostic that had come into their fold. And he was preaching a falsehood, and he was talking about Jesus was a created being, and that he was an angel-type figure. And that's why Hebrews destroys that and says he was made, he, was, he, was, he is better than all the angels, but he actually submitted to be lower than the angels. All right? So that is the theology there, is that Jesus Christ on earth was submitting to God the Father. He didn't lose any deity ever. He can't because he's God. All right, and it says there that he was before all things, and in him all things consist. So if you need stuff to sustain in your life, you need blessings to sustain in your life, if you need your marriage to sustain in life, if you need things to keep going, where do you think you should look to? Maybe the sustainer of all things, right? And who is the sustainer of all things, according to the Bible? Jesus Christ. Amen? And he is preeminent in glorification. Amen. And he is the head of the body, the church. That means all saved, okay? Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have what? Did it exclude anything? There's nothing excluded there, right? So in all things, Jesus Christ may have preeminence. So when you, I'm, I'm going to ask you this morning, sometime, either now or, or on your drive or right before you fall asleep this afternoon or whatever, I'm going to ask you to ponder. I really want you to think about what is the priority place that Jesus Christ, and, and, don't, and, and don't lie to yourself. Don't, don't sugarcoat this. Don't, 
gloss it over and say, oh, Jesus is number one. Gotcha, pastor. All right, great. Truly and truly think about where does Jesus really, really reside in your life? Is he up here? This world is full of idols. Idols are man-made, okay? That golden bull, man-made, all right? And what, and what we need to understand is that idols are man-made, so anything that takes significant or preeminence over Jesus Christ is an idol. And that, that can be some touchy situations. That can be a job. That can be a passion. Here it comes. You ready? It can be kids and grandkids. It's tough to hear. But we can't properly be parents if Jesus Christ isn't the most important thing in our lives. I can't properly love my wife if Jesus Christ and me aren't the very top in our relationship. Another thing my Uncle Larry said is that if this isn't right, none of this can be right. And so many times I've looked around like, what's going on around here? And then I'm like, oh, it's this up here. And then I look at my prayer life and I'm like, hmm. I've got the opportunity to go to the foot of the Father at the throne of grace and ask for some great big things. And I, you know what I call them? Microwavable prayers. Snap them in, hit the button, a couple seconds later, it's ready to go. You're done. I don't even take time to wipe it out. We get lazy, we get self-centered, we get self, you know, all self-important about what's going on in our lives. And if you put anything, we're going to work on balance, okay? So I just want you to concentrate this morning that nothing can put, be put before Jesus Christ. He is to be the most preeminent thing in our lives. If he's not, I can assure you of one thing. Your life will be out of balance. So I'm asking you to stand with me this morning. Prayer is a powerful thing. We've seen some magnificent, unbelievable things happen over the last year. And it's because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ provided as we come together and go to him in prayer. And we need to continue to be a praying family, a praying church. So I'm going to ask you this morning to reflect on where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Is he truly the most important thing in your life? And if he's not, it doesn't have to be solved today, but the first step has to be taken to get that balance right. Because we can't move on in this sermon series unless we get this one right. All right? And here's the other thing. If you have never made Jesus Christ your Savior, you're already out of balance. There is no balance. One is down and one is way up. Okay? And it's time to bring that balance. 
So you can't even take a step towards balance in your life until you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. So don't wait another minute. We're going to open up the altars to you here. Be respectful. Be safe. Come open up the altars. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road, 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois, 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.